This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the AM740 booth at the Zoomer Show at the Intercare Center and met a loyal listener to Theater of the Mind who told me he really favors the cowboy shows. So, Jim, if you're listening tonight, a special treat awaits you at the half hour when we'll hear another episode of a Western that had a huge following, Gunsmoke. I hope you enjoyed the show, Jim, and thank you very much for listening and, hey, taking the time to come up and say hi. Meanwhile, for those with a taste for science fiction, we begin tonight's entertainment with a story of a madman who has discovered the formula to reduce people to a much smaller size. Here is Lights Out and the episode entitled The Little People. Lights out. Everybody. Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Ovaler. For Ironized Yeast tonight, a story of that still, small voice which civilized men call conscience. And now, bites out everybody. Keep moving along, ladies and gentlemen. Keep moving. There ain't no life on here. Keep moving. Hi, officer. What's going on in the hall? What's the blooming head track? Read the signs, my man. Read the signs. Huh? Oh. The great Peter Stransky, world-famous explorer, appearing in person in lecture on headhunters of the Amazon. Go, Brahmin. Now, move along, fella. Move along. Oh, no, officer. Will you tell a bloke what that headhunting is referring to? Who's on tonight? Now, look here, you're obstructing traffic. It's lecturing the man. is lecturing on these Eden tribes that aren't their neighbor's heads. Now, move along, man. Move along or I'll take you in. And now, ladies and gentlemen, now you know the story of these strange motion pictures I have shown you this evening. For the first time in history, motion pictures taken of the lower Brazilian region. Someday soon I hope to return to Brazil and bring back more cinematic records of the customs of these almost legendary savages, including actual specimens of heads and bodies 
taken and preserved in their bloodthirsty wars. When that day comes, I hope you will be as kind to me as you have been this evening. And so, good night until we meet again. Excellent lecture, Stransky. Excellent. Yes. It went very well indeed. Complete sellout. That headhunting theme meant excellent publicity in all the papers, you know. Yes, yes, of course. Now, if you'll pardon me, my wife... Oh, but my dear Stransky, autograph. They paid to listen to my lecturing and see my motion pictures, not to get my autograph. I'm sorry, my wife, she will be waiting oh, and I... come, come, don't worry about her. She'll... she's well taken care of. Eh? What are you talking about? I just passed her backstage, and she had a handsome young gentleman having quite a tete-a-tete, don't you know? You will pardon me. Oh, Oh, come now, Ellen, you must do it. Oh, but John, that's ridiculous. Who ever heard of such a silly thing? I did, and that's why I'm telling it to you. Well, I won't listen to another word. I really won't. Oh, yes, you will. No, I won't. (laughs) If I might be so bold as to interrupt. Oh, Oh, Peter, it's you. I'm sorry to interrupt your most interesting conversation, my dear wife, but we must go. But, Peter, we... Come, I said. The automobile is waiting. But I... Very well, Peter. Good night, John. Good night, Ellen. Come. Get into the car, Ellen. Why don't you say something, Peter? Yes. Yes, I will say something. This. Well, why don't you speak? Why don't you cry? I wouldn't give you the satisfaction. So, you save your tears for him, too. Say something. I'm leaving you, Peter. Leaving me? What are you talking about? I spoke clearly enough. I'm leaving you. Don't be a fool. I'm trying not to be. That's why I'm leaving you. I should have done it a long time ago. You'll go to him. No, I'm going to divorce you first, Peter. Divorce? I won't have any difficulty about that, I'm sure. No, never a divorce me, never. You'll have no choice. Please stop the car. Yes. Goodbye. Ellen. I'm sorry for you, Peter. No. I'm sorry for you. And him. Come in, Ellen. Come in. And you too, young man. What do you want of us, Peter? It was very kind of you two to come here and join me tonight. You said it was important, Strensky. What is it? Oh, have a chair. Sit down. There is no hurry. John and I, we're on our way to the theater. If you don't mind, Peter, tell us what you want. I want little. We have come to what the novelist would call the parting of the ways. As civilized human beings, we sit down. I, the husband, you, the wife, and you, young man, the... Shall I say, favored one, to discuss our welfare? I'm sorry it worked out this way, Peter. I. <laughs> this life. Perhaps the fault was largely mine. I was not a very good husband. You're acting very decently about all this, Mr. Strinsky. All I can say is I, I love Ellen very much. And you love him, Ellen? Yes, Peter. 
If we could arrange matters quickly, I mean the divorce and all that sort of thing. Of course. I just said we are together like civilized human beings. <laughs> and now, if you will excuse me, I will close the door. The servants, you know. He's acting surprisingly well about it all, Ellen. I'm not so sure, John. So, now what I have to say, I say in complete privacy. Peter, just why did you want John and me here? Yes. We should come to the point. You and I, Ellen, I suppose there is no use talking about us anymore. Is there? No. So, all right, there will be a gentleman. I will withdraw as gracefully as my clumsy self will permit. First, then, we will sign the papers. Papers? I want you to waive our rights. Oh, just as you wish. Excellent. So here is the legal form as drawn up by my solicitor. I assure you, it's quite an order. You will sign first, young man. Me? Yes, yes, as a... Witness, you understand? Oh, very well, my, my pen. No, 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 use this one, please. Here. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Well, John, what's the matter? Oh, nothing, just a scratch, the, the pen point. Oh, I'm so clumsy. John, oh, I... it's nothing, really. See, the pen point hardly broke the skin. <laughs> yes, but it did break the skin. Oh, yes, John, you see a drop of blood. Oh, it's nothing at all, just a scratch, unimportant. <laughs> Why did you laugh like that, Peter? He said unimportant, and yet it is the most important scratch your young man has ever known. How's that? What do you mean, Peter? What, what's wrong? You feel something, John? What? A constriction between the eyes, perhaps? Peter. Or maybe a strange pounding of the heart? Peter, Peter, or what perhaps, have you done? John, your vision blurs. You hear strange sounds in your ears. A great lover? Peter, answer me. What have you done? John, are, are you all right? Tell me, are you all right? I, I don't know. My head is so strange. I, I John, think what is I'll it? sit down. Peter, what's wrong with him? What's wrong? <laughs> John, John... What do you... Your, your lips... You cannot speak, can you, John? If you open your mouth, the words will be your last. A great lover? Peter, tell me. Tell me, have you done something to him? Have you? John, look at me, darling. Speak to me. Tell me what's the matter. Yes. John. Yes, speak, John. Eleanor, I... John! Peter, help me. He's fallen. Peter, help me. Help me. Help you? But, John, look at him. Look at him. He, he's ill. Dying. A doctor, get a doctor. Not a doctor, my little wife. Doctors cannot restore even great lovers after the poison of Barakata has entered the veins. Poison? That pen? That scratch? Ellen, you must... <sighs> so, the thought of your lover's death draws the blood from your head and you faint, eh, my little wife? When you awaken, you will wish that you died with him. again. My arm. You are bound in a chair. It is most discourteous of me, I know, but then, as you may remember, I always was a barbarian. John. John. You will keep your voice down. John. You've got to tell me. Where is he? Why am I down here? John's not there. He can't be dead. There on that table, under the sheet. Not John. Yes, John. John, you've killed him. Let me loose. Let me go to him. <laughs> 
Stop that. John. Stop making that noise, you mad woman. Stop it. Stop it, I say. All right, I'll stop you then. I'll stop you. All right. Yeah, my little wife, scream, yell, rave all you want. This gag over your mouth serves its purpose well. Go on. Go on. You amuse me. So, now you have discovered it is useless to talk to the gag, eh, Ellen? It is such a waste of effort, is it not? So now that you are silent, I can go on with my work. Most important work. Yes, you were right about what was on this table here. See? I throw off the sheet. (laughs) And he was such a handsome man. Well, I must get to work. Ah, you no longer try to speak, my little Ellen. Does the sight of these beautiful surgical instruments frighten you? They need not. They're not for you. They are for John. Yes. Yes, he is dead. Dead. The poison too quickly, but... Do you think I would let him rest in death? Oh, no. I loved you, Ellen. And as I loved you, I hate you. Watch closely. What? I'm sorry, I cannot understand you. Oh, you ask me what I'm going to do. The knives, sharp knives, you see them? No, they are not to dismember your precious John. Flesh buried, decays, and is gone. I want your dear John with me for a long time. Again, you ask a question I'm trying so hard to explain. He's dead and he will be dead, but in his death he will serve a purpose. You remember I told you my savage Brazilian friends, the Yavaros, have a quaint custom of shrinking and preserving the bodies of their enemies. Well, I studied their methods most carefully. John Douglas was my enemy. Here he lies. And I will do with him as the Yavaros do with their enemies. So, now you understand. When I'm through with him, your lover will be a little leathery-skinned man, a doll-like in size, a trophy for my trophy room. Who will suspect that in that little leathery doll-like figure is the body of an Englishman? And so he will amuse me in his death. Yes. And you will sit there, my little wife. You will sit in that chair for the many days it will take me to prepare the carcass. You will sit and watch me day after day as with smoke and with heat I make the strong body of your lover smaller and smaller. You will sit there. Fire is warm, hell. Warm, so very warm. The air filled with smoke. Dry, swirling smoke. See how it coils around him. At first, how often you cried out when I talked like this, but now you are silent. Weeks. How many weeks has it been? Four, five, six? It used to take my savage friends ten weeks to dry and cure the bodies of their enemies. Ten weeks. And I... I have done it in five. Look at him. Six foot strong and broad he was, but now... 
A doll in size, a small brown doll. Oh, what weary days they've been filling the body full of sand and slowly turning, turning in the smoke and the heat, not too quickly, not too slowly, not too close to the flames. And now, the man that was John Douglas, a doll, a brown doll of death, Flames are noisy. Noisy as you are silent, little Ellen. You are... Oh, I hadn't noticed. Your eyes are closed. Wake up. Wake up! Wake up, I say. You've got to look at him. Your eyes have got to see him. You've got to see him. Oh, you're speaking. I cannot understand you. The, the gag, yes. Yes, I will take it off. Sitting there all these weeks, you haven't got the strength. There, there, that does it. Your lips are free. Well, look at him, Helen. Look at him and tell me what you think of John Douglas now. Helen, stop. Stop, you hear? Understand? You must understand. Smoke, it will wait for me. Smoke, smoke, smoke. What are you raving about? Yes, smoke. The outcurls around him. No. He's waiting. No, stop talking like that. Stop talking like that, I say. The knife. Where is the knife? I'll stop you. No. Ellen, I... All right. Dead. Up on the table with you. I must prepare you, Ellen, for the smoke and the fire. Took me five weeks with him and now five more weeks with you. And then you will be as he is. Brown with the smoke of the curing fire. A little doll in size. Borneo and the Celebes are not the only savage tribes which indulged in this most curious pastime of collecting human heads as trophies. In my travels in far-off places, I have come across at least 20 other races who participate in this strange custom. Let's get out of here, Mimi. What it means is dry as dust. Oh, but who cares about Ed Hunton men and the likes of that? Let's get out of here and go to a cinema. Squat. Oh, all right, all right. They went raiding and killing their enemies, generally in nocturnal surprises. These savages severed the heads of the dead and returned with them to their villages. Members of the tribe believe their rank in the next world depends upon the number of heads secured. But, unquestionably, the most curious custom is found among the Yavaros of South America, who not only sever the heads of their enemies, but also are known to shrink the bodies of the dead until they are small, almost doll-like in size. These bodies are kept in the large huts and treasured highly. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I have a surprise for you. In my recent trip to South America and my visit to the Yavaros, at great personal risk, 
I was able to procure two of the macabre specimens. Yes. Yes, I have here in this trunk the shrunken bodies of two full-sized human beings. That is, at one time they were full-sized, but now, now they are the size of large dolls. A man and a woman, ladies and gentlemen, perfectly preserved. The only specimens of their kind in existence outside of the sultry jungles of South America. Never before have they been seen or displayed upon the lecture platform, but tonight I am going to show them to you. Now you make your public debut, my two beauties. Ellen and John, the new sensation of the lecture stage. Ladies and gentlemen, if you please, if you please, presenting two perfect specimens, the only ones of their kind, of the secret process which enables the savages of the jungles of South America to reduce their enemies to doll-like size. Here we have a living man, about six foot in size during his lifetime, now reduced to midget size. And likewise... Here a woman, once a living, breathing individual like you and you and you. Now this horrible trophy of the curers are. You see, Ellen and John, they like you. You are a success. <laughs> a huge success. You. You're talking. You. No. No, you cannot talk. Dad, you cannot talk. No, you cannot talk. You're dead. You're both of you dead. Stop talking. Stop. Stop. Captain, it's a strange passenger we got aboard this time, I must say. Oh, you mean Stransky? Aye, strange he is, mate. But what's he running away from, sir? Sure, mate, that ain't a proper question to be asking of a man when he lays as many pound notes on the table as that man did for this passage. (laughs) Get me out of England tonight, he said. (laughs) And get him out of England, I did. Now, could he be one of them embezzlers? Oh, aye, that he might. The trunk he was carrying, where he wouldn't let any of the men lay a hand on it. He brought it down to the cabin himself. I'd like to get a look in it. So would I. But he stays in that cabin of his all the time. He's down there now. And I'll bet he's looking in that trunk this very... The cabin door is locked. No one can come in when the door is locked. It's going to stay locked until we get there. South America, they won't get me there. No one will get me there. Why did I run away? What's the matter with me? No one heard them but I. No one in that audience but I. They're in that trunk there. The two of them. Why don't I find out now if no one heard them but I? Why don't I? For sure. Yes, I must. No, they couldn't have talked, not they... The two of you lying there. You didn't talk, did you? No. No, of course you didn't. You're dead. You're more than dead. Hollow flesh shrunk by the smoke of heat until you're smoky little dolls. 
Alan and John, I'm free of you forever. Forever. You, Alan. Thing that was Alan. Why don't you say something? <gasps> again, I heard you again, the two of you, I heard you. No. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it, you little things. You can't speak. You're dead, burned in the flames. Stop it. All right, I'll stop you. I'll stop you. Into the sea. I'll throw you into the sea. Come, you and you. I've got you in my hands. I'll throw you into the sea. First, you, Ellen. Into the water. There. And now, you, John. Into the sea. The sea. Stop that tongue of yours. There. Now I'm through with you. Through with you. The water will stop your mouth. It stopped it. And free of you forever. The two of you forever. Huh? What's the matter? What's the matter? The matter of... What do you mean, Captain? Nothing is the matter. I thought I saw you throw something in the water. In fact, I'm sure of it. Oh, just some old things. Yes, that's it. Some old things I didn't want. Oh, oh, I see. Well, as long as everything's all right. Yes, yes, yes. Everything's all right. No. No. It is a weird night, isn't it? Weird? Why do you say that, man? Yeah, it's so dark. No moon, not a star in the sky. It's like we were sailing at the black of a tomb without even candlelight to lead us. You know, if I was a superstitious... What in the devil's name is that? What? What are you talking about? There, to starboard, see? Two lights. (laughs) Take it what lights are those. They're coming closer. Our ship lights? No, that can't be. Why have sailed these waters for it's 15 they. years? It's they. What? The two of them, their faces, see them gleaming faces. Alan, John, get back. Back to the water I threw you in. Back. Rinsky, what's back. come over you? Back. Stop leaning over the back. rail. You'll fall in, you'll fall in, man. Look out! Oh! No, stop. Alan, John, the two of you, stop. You're pulling me under. Drowning me. Drowning me. Well, Mr. Robler. Well, Mr. Martin. What are you looking for tonight? Rationalization? Morals? For, of course, the moral of tonight's story is a healthy and a hopeful one. That evil is its own undoing. That reminds me, Frank, outside of Hitler, Hirohito, and company, have you a nomination for the evilest man of the year? Well, leaving Hitler and his fang-toothed friend out of it sort of restricts me, doesn't it? (laughs) No, because anyone who thinks that evil is impersonated only by the militarist is quite naive. And now, what about this Mr. Evil of 1943? Well, I'd like to tell you about the evil now. I feel like it, but I'm going to tell about him in a play called Murder Castle. 
Yes, Mr. Evil of 1943. It takes place as usual at a time called next week. Yes, tune in next Tuesday again for Arch Obler's eerie story, Murder Castle. It is later than you think. Stay tuned for Gunsmoke. Next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City, into the territory on West... There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Clay Richards. Clay Richards. Age 31. Height 6 feet. Eyes brown, hair red. Eyes brown, hair red. Hey, how'd you like me to print his picture on these notices? I got a woodcut. Let me show you. Ernie! Yeah? That's your marshal a copy of that front page. Interviewing Clay's wife yesterday, I noticed a tintype on the mantle, their wedding photograph. So, first thing you know, I snitched it. It's very thoughtful. Yeah, oh, I'll take it, Ernie. And then I propped it up in front of me and carved me this woodcut. Ain't she prime? Ain't she just elegant? Real elegant. Good likeness, don't you think? Of course, he was seven or eight years younger when the tintype. Yeah, it's a good likeness. That's his hair short. Doesn't show what makes a law-abiding man like him try to rob a bank. Doesn't look like a man who murdered an old cashier and a Chinese cook who just happened to be there. But it's a good likeness. Yes, sir, it is. A picture like this sure dresses up the front page, don't it? Yeah, it's a little masterpiece, Mr. Hightower. A notable contribution to the culture of Dodge City. Well, thank you, Marshal. Does fetch the eye, don't it? I'm printing an extra 500 copies of the weekly, and I bet I sell them all. Too bad the cashier's shot went wild. If he'd managed to kill Clay or even wing him, why, I bet I could sell a thousand extra copies. We must be thankful for the blessings we do receive, Mr. Hightower. Oh, I am, Marshal, I am. Why, just before it happened yesterday afternoon, I didn't know what I was going to fill my columns with. And then, like manna from heaven, two murders in the bank robbery. Attempted bank robbery, Mr. Hightower. He turned and ran before he got his hands on so much as a dollar. Yes. Still, as you say, like manna. Dylan, I... I just I'm talking don't... business. What is it, Chester? Well, it can wait, I guess, Mr. Dillon. 
Yeah, Prent Clay's picture on those notices, Mr. Hightower. Oh, where were we? Uh, eyes brown, hair red. Oh, yes. Also known as Red, Bricktop, and Sorrel. He uh, didn't answer to no other nicknames, did he? No, that's what they call him. All right, then in big letters, $400 reward. Dead or alive. And at the bottom, apply Matt Dillon, Marshall, Dodge City. Mm-hmm. And I print 200 copies. How soon can I send Chester over for him? This afternoon. Good morning, Mr. Hightower. Chester. Think those posters will do any good? Richards is probably over the line into Oklahoma or Colorado by now. And Strawberry Rona, his is the fastest in the county. He has no money. He panicked and ran out of the bank before he got a penny. I think he'll try to get help from his wife or brother or a friend the first chance he has. Maybe tonight. I say he's around here somewhere. I, uh... I'm sorry I turned on you like that, Chester. Why, that's all right, Mr. Dillon. Out all night with a posse, no sleep, man's bound to get touchy. No, it's not that. It's, it's the, the way... It's the way people use a thing like this. The men riding posse last night, they enjoyed it as though they were hunting fox or possum. Hightower back there, he acts like it was a birthday treat, specially gotten up for him. Everybody finds a way to use it. Uh, what, what was it you wanted to tell me? Hmm? Oh, I, I got a kid, a, a little boy, locked up in the cell. Uh-huh. He run away from home, back in Cottonwood. Ed Slade turned him over to me when he come through on the stagecoach just now. Kid about 12 years old. Who's is he? Widow woman, Miss Bonnie. She runs a boarding house in Cottonwood. Ed says kid's always running away a little while, I guess. He flagged Ed for a ride on the road halfway between there and here. Soon as Ed seen him stand there with his bundle on his shoulder, he knowed what he was up to. So he told Kid he'd help him and then turn him over to us when he got there. All right, we'll send a telegram to the mother to come fetch him. Well, come on in, Chester, and shut the door. Mr. Dillon? You're letting in every horse fly in Kansas. Mr. Dillon, I think you better cancel the order for them notices. What? The Dutchman's coming up the street. And he's leading a strawberry roan, and Clay Richards is draped across his back. Like a sack of wheat across the saddle. Last time I saw him, two days ago, he was standing at the bar laughing his head off. A sack of wheat across the saddle. And followed by half the saloon bums and loafers in town. All right, Chester, make him keep back. All right, now stand back, you fellas. Come on, now, back. Stand back. Ziegler. How'd it happen, Ziegler? My goat, my old billy goat, he pushes open the fence last night and runs away. Forget your goat. What about Clay? Guy, I tell you, this morning I go to look for the goat. I walk here, there, near the river. I see Clay. He sits there. I say, hello, Clay. The gate. You I'm dirty t- Dutchman. You know the dog? Clay was your best friend. He helped you buy your farm, so you killed him for a All right, all of you. Keep back, everybody. Clay? Me? No, no. My brother, he was like, we was in the war together. Peter, listen. You killed him for the war. Not so. I killed nobody. Not, not since Gettysburg. Clay is dead already when I find him. 
I don't even own a pistol. Ziegler, inside quick. Yeah, yeah. Chester, give me a hand with Clay. All right, all of you. Listen up. Shut up! I will not tolerate a disturbance. You know me. I got him, Chester. Take his leg. All right, kick the door shut. Marshal, I don't kill Clay. On this table, Chester. What'd you do with Clay's gun? His holster's empty. Gun? Clay's? I ain't got it. I don't even own one. Chester, see if it slipped out. His we holster was empty coming up the street. First thing I noticed. Maybe it's yeah. over on the... Another customer? Why, that's three in less than a day. Oh, bountiful harvest. My fees this month will keep me in luxury. In luxury! Doc, I uh, want to have an inquest as soon as possible. Well, as soon as I finish the autopsy. Shouldn't take long with the practice I've had this week. Huh? <laughs> no. Uh, late afternoon all right with you? I'll take him up to my office right now. No, thank you, Chester. I can carry him all by myself here. You just open the door there like a good fella. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, Marshal, tell the city fathers I'd like to make a deal when the corpses are as famous as this one. Back in 53 in San Francisco, a fellow I knew earned a fortune, exhibiting the head of Joaquin Marietta. Tell them if they let me keep the remains... I'll do the autopsies for nothing. Shut the door, Chester. Ziegler, where is it you met Clay on the river? By the fort. This side, by the fort. Ride out there, Chester, and see if you can find Clay's gun. Maybe he dropped it when he was shot. I did not shoot Clay. Sure. I did not. I had no reason to. I did not. I did not. Now, you listen to me. Maybe you think Dodge has got so big, I don't know about everything that goes on here. Well, if you do, you're wrong. If you think I don't know about the bank having an overdue mortgage on your farm, you're wrong. $400 is reason enough for a struggling farmer like you. No. I couldn't do such a thing. I, I am a human being. To a peace officer, Ziegler, that's enough grounds for suspicion. But whether you did it or not, we be decided at your trial. In the meantime, you just stop yammering about it. Trial? Me? Even when I shoot somebody, I stand trial. If they find it's justifiable homicide, and they probably will, Clay being a wanted man, then he'll let you off. And if not... Please, I am permitted to go now. Go? Are you crazy? I farm this stock. I, I must look after it. You sit right down. You want to be lynched? You're trying to get yourself murdered? Have you forgotten about Clay's brother, Adam? Would not believe I shot him. What difference does it make whether he believes it or not? His brother's been killed. Everybody's looking to him to do something about it, and he knows it. You want me to guess where he is right this minute? He's in one of them saloons, lapping up courage to come in here and ask me to give you to him for a present. You want to know who's with him? Ever loafer, ever bum, ever slob in town. Slapping him on the back and telling him what a shame it is. Taking him on to kill you so that they can have some excitement and some fun. Maybe you deserve killing, but it's my job to uphold the law, and I'm not letting you out of here. What? I tell you, you might that... spend your time trying to think up a better story. That is, if you intend to stay in this town. All right, now think back. Didn't Clay go for his gun before you shot him? I tell you, I didn't. If I'm not under arrest, you have no right to keep me here. I got to look after my farm. I go. All right, Chester, lock him up. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Come on now, Ziegler. Help me, Simia. Help me, Simia. Get the help. Help me. 
Step out, Sonny. This cage is bespoke. Who's in there, Chester? Yeah, that little old runaway from Cottonwood. Oh. <laughs> yeah, come over here, son. Come over here to me. I know who you are. <laughs> you do, do you? You bet. You're Matt Dillon. <laughs> Guilty. I knowed you right off. You just pointed out to me one day back home. Filler says you was the fastest gun thrower in Kansas. <laughs> Wyatt Earp wouldn't. Be awful interested to hear that, I'm afraid. Killer says you was faster than older. Faster than Wild Bill Hickok in Hay City and Fat Masterson or any of them. How many fellas have you killed? You don't keep score, son. It's something you try to forget. Not me. Someday I'll be famous like you, and for every filler I kill, I'll, I'll put a notch on my gun. People see those notches, and they'll know they better not try Why'd it. you run away from home, bub? Don't you know your mother's likely to worry about oh, you? Oh, she won't worry. She's too busy working. You ain't gonna make me go back, are you? You wouldn't do that, would you? Well... Because it wouldn't stop me for long. I'd only run away again. Oh, where are you off to in such a sweat? Oh, Texas, California, Mexico. Fella can accomplish things there, not like living in old Cottonwood. If you let me go, someday when I'm famous, you can tell people you helped get me started. <laughs> well, well that's, that's a pretty strong inducement. Um, I'll have to think about it for a while. And, uh, look, uh, while I'm making up my mind, I, I want you to give me your word. The word of a man who'll be famous someday that, uh, he won't try to run away from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to have Chester lock you up again. I'll shake on that. Good, good. Uh, Chester, I want you to go look for Clay's gun. Yes, Mr. Dillon. And uh, on the way, stop off and send that, uh, telegram. You know? Hmm? Oh, that telegram. Uh, yes, Mr. Dillon. I'll Where's Ziegler? Right. It's all right, Chester. Go ahead. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Where's that murdering dog? Oh, there you are, you... Not a single you. step further, madam. I want him, Dillon. He murdered Clay, shot him down without giving him a chance. How do you know? Because Clay wouldn't have let anyone catch him off guard except a friend. A friend. Now, Dylan, give me that Dutchman. Try to take it. It's like that? It's like that. And it's true what the fellas say. You made a deal with the Dutchman to give him the reward and protect him if he'd kill Clay for you. That was the deal, was it? Yeah. The fellas say why I'd make such a deal? Dylan, it ain't no longer a secret around town that you and Francie want each other. But Clay was in the way you had him killed so you could get his wife. Do you deny it? No. No. It'll serve as well as any other crazy story. It'll work you up. You think you're safe behind that star, don't you? Well, Clay have friends, lots of them. I'm coming back with them friends, and we'll get the Dutchman and you and anyone else who tries to stop us. All right, Adam. I'll be waiting. Yeah. You wait. I almost seen something pretty just then, didn't I, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, almost. About another pint of whiskey ought to do it. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first... 
Many radio shows win high popularity with the prizes and cash they give away, but there's one show that's tops because the head man gives away as little as possible. What other radio program could it be but the Jack Benny Show? So be listening. Here's the second act of Gunsmoke. Son? You say something, Mr. Dillon? Uh, yeah, open my drawer in front of you there. You'll find a small bottle of oil in there. No, no, the one to the right. Yeah, that's it. Now, bring a little brush, too, huh? Here it is. Thanks, bub. It's a right nice gun you have. Yeah, it's not bad, but a little stiff. Just a little stiff. Don't you have a trigger? i never seen a gun without a trigger before. Oh, you remove a trigger or uh, tie it back against a guard. And all you have to do is, uh, a hammer. Hey, like that. It's faster. <laughs> yeah, that's better now. Remove the trigger. I'll remember that. What in the world for? Well, I remember everything you told me. About the Texas holster and the spring holster and the double roll and filing off the site. It's just me, Mr. Dillon. Oh, any luck, Chester? No, sir, not any. I went to the store first and asked Mr. Denton what kind of ammunition Clay Richard used to buy, and he told me Clay had a double action forty-four. I scarred that riverbank a half mile each way from the ford and not a sign of it. I got that telegram off. You know who ought to be here pretty soon. It's only seven, eight miles from... It's a fire in town? Funeral services for Mr. Grinnell, the cashier. So soon? It's awful hot weather. Yeah. Um, any of your guns need oiling? I don't think so. You sure? When Adam left, he said he'd be coming back. With some friends. I know. I stopped at the Alifaganta just now to rinse out my mouth. Adam was there talking mighty ugly and mighty big. He's got a sizable following. Yeah. When do you think? Any minute now, Mr. Dillon. They want me to take Bob out of here to one of the hotels, maybe? I want to see No, him. I think you'll be safer here, Chester, behind stone walls and dodging about the streets rubbernecking. You keep your head down, sonny, you hear? There's a... Matt, Matt, i got to talk to you. She ought to be in mourning. If she cared for Clay at all anymore, she ought to be in black. Matt. Oh, Lord, I find her more beautiful all the time. Matt, have you heard what they're saying? What are they saying, Francie? That you and me, that, that you made Pete Ziegler kill him because of... I'm sorry that got back to you, Francie. It's all over Dodge. Adam almost strangled me before they dragged him off. Francie, I didn't shoot Clay. Francie, I beg you, believe me. Shut up, Ziegler. Shut up or I'll pop you to death. Francie's just one of those crazy stories. They needed one, and they made one of them. But, Matt, everyone believes it. On my way down here, people were pointing, whispering. Old women clucking their tongues at me. They believe it. They'll forget it as soon as this is over. They'll remember that even if we once did go with each other, it was finished and done with even before the war ended, before you even met Clay. No, they won't forget it. For the rest of my life. As long as I stay here, oh, I'll... Hold it a minute, Francis. Yeah, Doc, what is it? Oh, uh, am I interrupted? What is it, Doc? Uh, our topsy's finished. I examined his liver and lights as... This is Mrs. Richards, Doc. Oh, oh I beg your pardon, ma'am. I'm sure I make no disrespect for the departed. Well? Well, Clay was shot all right, but from the nature of the wound and the coagulation of the blood, I'd say it happened sometime yesterday. I'd say the cashier's bullet didn't go wild after all. How could a dead man gallop away? Well, the wound wasn't what killed Clay. 
The ball hit the rib case and bounced off. Twenty-two caliber it was. And what did kill him was the stab in the back, right through the spine. Inflicted sometime this morning. Now, near as I can judge, by a small blade, oh, two, three inches long. It could have been a Barlow knife. Thanks, Doc. Hey, please accept my condolences, Mr. Ritchie. You call the inquest anytime you're ready, Marshal. Chester, close the door. You see? You see, I didn't do it. I didn't shoot him. All I right, then you stabbed I... him, maybe. You said you never carried a gun. Look, Francie, go home and give matters a chance to simmer Matt, down. I'm going to ask you for something. Yeah? Turn Pete Ziegler out into the street. What? Francie, they're itching to get their hands on him. Let him have him. It'll prove that story's a lie. That you didn't make a deal with him. Please, Matt, I have to live here. Jimmy, I have to live here. Matt? Matt? Don't look at me like that. Go home, Francie. Go home or leave town or hang yourself or anything you like. Just go away. Away! Right now. I bought me a bottle at the Alapagans, Mr. Dillon. Would you care for a drink? No. Guess the funeral's over. There'll be others. Funny. No, I miss that bell. Awful quiet, ain't it? It's just Just about on schedule. Are you ready, Chester? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. I'd use a shotgun if I were you. It's more effective when there's a mob to be dealt with. Oh, yes, sir, I am to. Ziegler, and you too, son. If trouble starts, lie down flat on the floor and keep your head down all the time. Don't gawk to see what's happening. You understand me? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right. Dillon! Dillon! Come out, Dillon! Chester, I want you to stand here in the doorway after I go out, where you can cover the back door and me at the same time. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. Open the door. Come on out. It's my duty to warn all of you that you're in the breach of the peace. I've sworn to uphold the law. I've killed men in order to do it, and I'm prepared to do so again. Give us a Dutchman, Dylan. I ask you to be sensible and to leave quietly. But if you refuse to listen to reason, if you insist upon being fools, if you've already decided to act like wolves instead of humans, then there's nothing I can say to make you change your minds. All right, you want Peter Ziegler? Well, he's not more than 20 feet behind me, so come on and get him, any of you. One at a time or all at once. Come on. Which one of you wants to die first? You? You? You, Adam? Well, what do you say, Adam? You let him here. Don't let this star on my coat stop you. Come on. There, I'm not wearing it now. Well, come on, draw, Adam, draw. You all right, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Get his gun. Man alive, I couldn't even see your hand move. 
Marshal, oh, don't tell me. Don't tell Doc, me. Doc, you make one single funny remark and I'll knock you down. You just take him to your office and get to work. Well, I, I never do mean to offend, Marshal. In my line of work, well, bodies, they're just so much lumber. Make all the jokes about them you please, but not to me and not in my hearing. In my line of work, there's nothing humorous about death. Give him a hand, Chester. No, 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 I can handle the marshals. Thank you, thank you. Just the same. Can you direct me to the marshal's office? Uh, yes, ma'am, right here. I'm Marshal Dillon. Well, I left Cottonwood as soon as I got your telegram. I'm Miss Bonnie. Where's my boy? Oh, we have him, ma'am, safe and sound. Here, let me help you down. Hits that horse, Chester. Right this way, ma'am. Oh, I'm so sorry he put you in all that trouble, Marshal. The truth of the matter is, he's a wild one, and no mistake. Takes after his father, one scrape after another. Uh, he was no trouble at all. I enjoy children. I like to have them around. Bob? Bob, your ma's here. Son? Chester, where's the boy? Did you let him slip past you? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. He never got past me. Look, the back door's open. He seen me and he hightailed it, the devil. <laughs> we'll round him up for you, ma'am. Don't worry. Oh, I don't know why I bother hauling him back. If he's run away once, he's run away a thousand times. This time he ran because I wouldn't buy him a gun. He wanted a real one. That boy's just gun crazy, I swear. I got him a nice ball of knife instead. Barlow knife. I reckon it didn't signify and off he runs. Barlow knife? A kid. Chester finds a kid. Marshal, has he done something bad with it? Told him to use it careful. He promised he'd use Wait, it careful. No, no, never mind, Chester. He's got Clay's strawberry ruin. We'd never catch up to him. Oh, I try to bring him up, right? I tell him to be good, but he don't listen. He just don't listen. Now, calm yourself, ma'am. Just calm yourself. Here's his little bundle, Mr. Dillon. What? Yeah, give it to me. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> Here, you're better at knots than I am. Open it, will you? The moment he was born, he's been nothing but tribulation to me. Now, please, ma'am. <laughs> What's he got in it, Chester? Shirt, stockings, piece of sausage, and this. 44 double action. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. That's Clay's gun. Sonny didn't manage to keep it long, did he? Well, if he wants a gun that bad, he's bound to get hold of another one somewhere, somehow. Chester, call Mr. Hightower over. Hey! Hey, Mr. Hightower! Oh. Come on over. Mr. Dillon wants you. Marshal, could I have please a drink of water? What? Oh, Ziegler. Uh, I forgot all about you. Uh, uh, Chester, where are the keys? Yeah, right there on the desk. Oh. Uh, there we are. It'll be safe for you to go home now. I, I can go back by the farm. Yeah, that's right. I'll send for you for the trial. Well, Danke schön. Danke schön. Watch where you're going, you dumb... Bitte, excuse me. Bitte. Yes, Marshal. Mr. Hightower, it appears that we can do business after all. Get some paper and a pencil. I want some notices printed. Fire away. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Uh, what's the boy's name? Bonnie. William Bonnie. William Bonnie. William Bonnie. Age 12. Height about five feet. Hair light, eyes blue. Mm -hmm. I don't suppose he's known by any other name. I know. Everybody just called him Billy. 
or the kid. Also known as Billy. The kid. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Walter Newman, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Don Diamond, Parley Bear, Harry Bartell, and Howard McNear, with Richard Beals, Paul Dubov, Georgia Ellis, and Mary Lansing. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West. In Gunsmoke. Those longtime favorites, Amos and Andy, are rising to new heights in their CBS radio series on Sunday nights. Heard on most of these same stations, Amos and Andy find trouble as constantly as ever and make it just as funny and as human as they have for more than 20 years. Be sure to hear Amos and Andy this Sunday, won't you? Right after the Jack Benny Show. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, there's fast, funny quizzing on the Bob Hawk Show every Monday evening. This is the CBS Radio Network. Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Great Gildersleeve, followed by Nero Wolf. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.